0: A collect call from an inmate at the Washington Correctional Center. To accept the call, press
1: 5. There is nothing like waking up to the sound of clacking and buzzing as the doors crack in the morning after count clears. Waking up to the reality of life in prison. For some, it is just a stop along their journey, a milepost, an experience for others it is a revolving door in and out in and out and that's their way of life stuck in the cycle pulling and eating away at them and then for some it becomes their destination as the hammer came down and that judge issued them a death sentence the slow way by way of life in prison this is the life of a lifer by taylor conway Thank you for joining us today I really appreciate all the people that come out and listen to this podcast here on Life of a Lifer You know, it means a lot to me And I know it means a lot to a lot of other people Having a voice from the inside to be able to express to the world What's really going on and some of the positive aspects of things You know, you hear a lot about all the negativity All the drama You know, lifestyles and crazy people and all the riff-raff and stuff like that. But you don't really get to hear about stories of change. You don't really get to hear positive aspects of people's lives that get locked up and basically thrown away, never to be heard from again. So we're trying to make these people heard from. You know, you, you get people that spend decades and decades we had a guy on here that had spent nearly 40 years. I think there's a guy on here that spent over 40 years, 45 years or something inside. And this guy's done all kinds of great stuff with his time. And so not everybody's just a monster. Not everybody's a crazy person that you hear about and they see on TV and that gets people excited and built up off all the drama and suspense and these TV shows like to show, so we just want to show another side, the human aspect, you know, the people that, hey, they've made mistakes, some people didn't even do what they're accused of, such as myself, I, I'm not saying that I'm a perfectly innocent person, but I'm wrongfully convicted of the crime that I'm convicted of, I'm adamant about that, because The way that the system is set up is that you're gonna get a conviction out of them and then you're never gonna be heard from again because there's not really any system in place to show rehabilitation. So later on, I'm gonna have a a good question from somebody that I'm gonna talk about. So stick around after the interview today and you'll hear a little bit about that. I appreciate people that are bringing in questions Because I like to do that at the end of the show, get a question and answer session going from, you know, people that are listening or you hit us up on the, on the Instagram or Twitter. It's at a life of a lifer. And, you know, we're, we're able to interact with the audience and keep the questions coming. If there's anything you want to know, if there's anything you're curious about, if there's any suggestions that you have. Go ahead and hit me up. I'm all ears. I can't wait. I'm getting excited. I really am. To see and hear my own album. I I can't wait for the Free Trailer Project to come out. It's something that I've been looking forward to for a long time. It's, It's years and years and years in the making to get this thing to come to life. And I I really do look forward to it. It's uh, it's going to be coming out at the end of the month, and uh, you know I hope that you'll be able to go and, and listen to it yourself because there's there's a lot of songs that are coming from my heart and my friend Caleb Twiglow who wrote them with me. Uh, there's there's different spectrums of music on there songs that ranged from, you know, nice country love song to a, a rock, like alternative rock style, just really, really deep, you know, songs and, and also even some, some country like with a little hip-hop flavor in them. I, I actually like that style quite a bit, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of hip-hop and the real stuff not this new stuff that's all watered down and he sounds like the same beat playing over and over again. I really just can't stand that stuff. But uh, I'm a connoisseur of music. I, I love music in all different genres. Everything from old school rock and roll to you know some of the newer rock. Uh, country music is probably my all-time favorite. You know I like like outlaw country music. Uh, and but now this new style of, of country mixed with rap there's a lot of them that I really don't care for they just, they just sound like garbage but there's some of them that just really hit it and they're real like my dude Seth Anthony man that guy he's got a voice that really expresses the meaning of what he's saying and he's a real ass dude this, this dude served a bunch of time in prison got out and now he's pursuing his dream and he's having success, man. And that I really, I really give it up to that dude. Uh, you know, he came on the show here and and, and I interviewed him and he, he talked to us, man. And, and that was cool. And he's got his album coming out. I can't wait to get it. But he's got that song Rebel Road and it's talking about prison and stuff. That's that's what really made me uh, check this dude out and then get in touch with him, man. Because uh, I think that you know what he's doing is great. What we're doing So I support everything That he's doing man That dude is uh, That dude's the truth man. And so Anyways Yeah that's That's kind of where I'm at And and I look forward to We're going to do some music With him I I look forward to Making more music In the future And I just like Doing different styles So I don't I like variety I don't like doing The same Same stuff Because different emotions Different feelings Different perspectives they I feel like require different sounds so that's why I I kind of am into a variety of stuff in life in general so it doesn't get stagnant things get stagnant and then you get stuck in a cycle and that's when the creativity and dies I believe so you know with what everything that we're doing here we're we're coming up on our one-year mark of, of our, our fourth edition of Inside Design Conviction the Magazine, which that's another monumental checkpoint in you know what we're doing here and the progress and everything. This Inside Design Conviction the Magazine is going to be coming out at the end of January. Uh, it's exciting, man. It's our fourth edition. We have it. We, it comes out quarterly. And generally we send that out to people across the country that are in prison. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's providing hope. It's, it's giving people a space to put out their positive energy, put out their positive vibe, telling success stories of people that have gotten out and are doing good now. You know, doing something with their abilities, with their creativity, with their dreams because there's a lot of people that have gotten out and do do good if you do do these things with art because art changes lives I stood behind that I know that it's true because I'm living proof of it art changed my life so anyways we're going to go ahead and get into this interview and I really I really want to say thank you to all the dedicated listeners and Go ahead and pass this along. Pass this along to a friend that you think might get something out of it or might be interested in support what we're doing. Because it isn't anything without support. And if you support positive change and growth and you want to make something different happen with our system, because ultimately it affects everybody. Whether you realize it or not, it affects everybody, the positive change within the system and if you can make that happen if if there's any way that you can support us you know go buy a Free Taylor t-shirt it's on there freetaylorproject.com go to Design Conviction and, and check out the community that we have there's a bunch of people that are doing positive things within that community support one of those people hit them up write to them check out their artwork buy a piece of artwork from them You know, do something to make a contribution and and see the rewards that you get from that. Because when you support that, you're supporting something good in life. And by the way, everything that we do, every profit that we make, 60% of that goes back into helping somebody else. So thank you very much and go ahead and take it away on this interview.
0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Life of a Life. My name is Salty Candice. Today, we are talking with Trevor Brown, an inmate at the Minnesota Department of Corrections. Trevor was convicted at the age of 18 and was given a 30 years life sentence. Policy changes in Minnesota's Department of Corrections for individuals who have served 20 years of their life sentence and who are eligible for parole are allowing Mr. Brown the opportunity to begin the process of preparing for parole. His next hearing, scheduled for 2025, will be when he finds out if he's approved for a transfer to a minimum security facility where he will be eligible for work programs in the community. Now, Trevor is a student teacher with the power of the People Leadership Institute, is currently enrolled in a mechanical engineering and parametric modeling CAD program, and he is also contributing to a book with Dr. Kim Sosha that is entitled Sunny and Dismantling the School-to-Prison Pipeline in the Age of Hip-Hop. Hello, Trevor, and thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Hey,
2: I'm doing pretty good. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I hear that it's cold there.
2: Yes, ma'am, it sure is.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: dang it, yeah. dang
0: it. Well, I hope that you are able to keep on an extra blanket and bundle up. Yeah. I would like. To, yeah, I'd like to talk with you today about the school to prison pipeline. So, for people who may not know, can you tell us what the school to prison pipeline is?
2: Um. Well, you know, the school to prison pipeline is, you know, how they kind of, you know, socialize, um, you know, children and 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 culturally um, shuffle children, you know, into the criminal justice system, and you know, it begins kind of where. Say, for instance, like like a child, you know, is at school, and let's say, for instance, he has you know trouble at home or a troubled background, and he begins to he or she, you know, begins to, you know, encounter problems in school, and you know, navigate you know the school um, culture and his, his, his or her academic life, and you know, then they're sent to the principal's office, <clears throat> and after some point in time, you know, the the school would. You know, happens is um, it triggers a call to you know, say for like a social worker, and then a social worker comes in, and you know, they do like an evaluation upon these children, and you know, begin to you know, shuffle them off into you know, um, maybe um, what they call it county home schools, or, or other public homes, you know, foster homes or whatnot,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and you know, eventually these kids begin to get in trouble, and they are then sent to the juvenile system where they are either, you know, confined or placed on, you know, probation, and, you know, it just begins to escalate from there, but, you know, in like the past probably maybe like 20 years or so, they've been beginning to um, have what they call SROs, you know, school resource officers, and so now they're kind of just beginning to, you know, circumvent that original process to you know just completely criminalize children from school you know like they arrest the kids at school and send them off to a detention center or facility where they are you know processed in through the criminal justice system um Mm -hmm. you know and and what kind of has you know made this possible is the um the privatization for, you know, some of these, what they call the prison industrial complex, where they have systems, you know, for-profit systems, you know, say, for instance, like, well, really, you know, really some of these these phone calls, even the phone companies, you know, they they charge these exorbitant rates, and the the prison system profits from that, and, you know, they get kickbacks, just like, for instance, like JPay and other services, um, you know, just begin all about money instead of, you know, justice. Yeah. You know, and now what I've been noticing, like, you know, just, you know, I'm not sure if this is across the board, but I'm going to take a stab at it and say that it is, you know, I've noticed here in Minnesota, like, you know, a vast majority of the prison population is from, you know, the Twin Cities metropolitan area and, you know, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and primarily who are the people of, um, they come out of those systems are, you know, people of color. You know, minorities, you know, uh, Hispanics, African-Americans, Asians. Um, so mm-hmm. That's the you know, largest demographic, really, in the prison system. And that demographic <clears throat> makes up, you know, probably maybe like 15, 20 percent of the total population of the state of Minnesota. But they, you know, disproportionately represent um, 75 to 80 percent of the prison population. And right. how this has occurred is because, you know, the state of Minnesota, they have kind of consolidated crime into certain neighborhoods. And then they turn around and they slash, um, you know, the school budgets in these areas. And so now <laughs> right. you have overcrowded classrooms. Um, they cut they cut funding for sports, um, mm-hmm. arts, um, you know, music, m- music programs in, in these schools. And so they're already in you know, like, kind of hot zones that the government classifies some of these areas for, you know, um, economic, you know, socioeconomic status. You know, the government begins to classify these as, like, you know, hot spots kind of. And so hey. they, they slash all the funding in these areas for programs that can that are conducive to, you know, children's growth and development, and then they turn around and increase the Department of Corrections budget you know it's pretty pretty crazy you know like there is truly a direct correlation between the cutting of the budget in the educational um, area and a sharp increase in the correctional budget exactly yeah it's 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 so crazy like nobody sees it no one has any um, objection or protest to it because you know largely the people who face these cuts, you know, let's say, for instance, there are, there are a lot of single-parent homes, you know, and, and a lot right. of times, you know, the mother will be working, you know, two, three jobs, you know, trying to support, you know, a number of children, so she's unable to, you know, go to, say, um, uh, uh, like a grassroots meeting to object right. or protest the cuts in the budget, and, and oftentimes, I don't think they even know.
0: Exactly. No, most of the times they don't.
2: Yeah, it's just <clears throat> you know, it's just so so sad that, <clears throat>
1: that
2: that that they do this and then, you know, there's just the, the the politics behind it, you know, they they say, Oh, you know, once they once they've already criminalized you and <clears throat> you know, the recidivism rate for people who are incarceration they say is like I don't know sixty percent maybe or something like that, but Mm -hmm. Pretty much everyone in in here that I know, you know, they've been in the system of some sorts or a system for, you know, a number of years, and this isn't their first offense. And so, you know, it just begins to, you know, repeat that vicious cycle. It perpetuates that vicious cycle, and, you know, really people have been commodified, you know, for for, uh, the profit, and, you know, that it's just now there's are beginning dialogue, you know, at, at a national level now. Yes. You know, I think so many movements, you know, the like grassroots movements, you know, a movement like this as well, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're beginning to surface because if it's beginning to spread because with, um, you know, capitalism and, and, and profiteering, it their, their thing is to increase their profit margin. So, you know, originally it may have started in these, Segregated areas, and, and but now it's more broad and is affecting you know more and more people and, and a broader range of people and socioeconomic status, and mm-hmm. so now it's an issue, which is it's good that it's an issue, but it's sad that it had to take that, you
0: know. Yeah, <laughs> definitely it It is, is it is. It is. Well, I understand that you're working on a book, yeah, dismantling the school-to-prison pipeline the age of hip-hop. Can you tell us a little bit about book and why it matters?
2: Um, You know, I've been incarcerated now for, you know, going on 23 years. Um, I was taken into custody at 18 years old, and you know, I've, I've educated myself, you know, informally as well as formally, um, you know, through St. Cloud State University, and you know, some people helped to launch me upon this you know this trajectory and you know as i began to you know grow and increase my knowledge base and begin to you know really understand um this system you know not only fight you know because i fought i fought my case and you know i beat this case in 2004 and the state re-indicted me where i had like three or four separate mistrials and you know, I just got to a point after they reconvicted me and sent me back to prison, I'm like, you know, I got to change my life. I got to do something different. And, you know, I really began to examine, you know, this system and, you know, just try to get a deeper understanding of, you know, what was going on. And, and, you know, I I began to, you know, just, you know, write it out. And then, you know, I, I, I really enjoy like creative nonfiction and, you know, I started to write. You know, this story through. You know, a fictional character about. You know, the criminal justice system in America. You know, through through my experiences and through some of the things that I've. Um, you know, unearthed and discovered and. Um. Yeah, I just really feel that it needs to be told.
0: What do you think is the most important factor in the school to prison pipeline? What is the first thing that needs to change?
2: Um. Well, you know, I think I think the um, the the privatization of you know some of these companies that are you know allowed to you know come into the prison system you know through the creation of you know the prison industrial complex um, you know it kind of I think started with um, you know the, the the private prisons you know and, and it kind of grew from there. Um, You know, they had a company, I think it was called Corrections Corporation of America or something like that. I think it was CCA. Um, It was one of the biggest, um, if not the biggest, you know, prison manufacturer in in the world. And, you know, now they have conventions um, where, you know, companies can come in and bid for jobs, you know, let's say, for instance, like commissary. um, You know, the commissary for the prison systems, um, you know, they got food organizations and um, telephone companies and you know other service providers for like let's say for instance like um you know JT or whatnot you know and, and it's and it's all geared towards you know the to give you know the largest profit margin for you know them and the the prison systems um, you know, they sell, you know, products that are, you know, near expiration date already, you know, for probably pennies on the dollar. And they charge, you know, exorbitant prices. And, you know, they pay people, you know, very minimal wages for jobs in these places. You know, and so people are reliant on, you know, their families and, you know, friends and, you know, people who care about them. And, you know, they're just really, they're being exploited for, you know, a
1: dollar.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, what do you think we as a society should do to change what is happening in our schools?
2: In large part, of this has to be, you know, first and foremost, a, a dialogue. You know, it always begins with dialogue. Um, you know, and they have to be, you know, opposed to the, the issues at hand, where they're like, hey, hold on, this is... You know, if you're going to, say, for instance, take this, uh, these profits, you know, then we want them to go towards something that is going to um, benefit, you know, our family member or us, or something that's going to be more conducive to um, helping people, you know, not reoffend or re, you know, recidivate. Um, right. You know, something that's viable because of the, the the solutions what they you know they call when when people get out of prison they call it transition, but transitioning is you know really a failed. American experiment, um, you know, for what they provide to transition is setting someone up for failure, you know, to really, you know, to to go into that revolving door. And it's, it's not Mm -hmm. for my benefit or, you know, someone in my position, it's not for our benefit, you know, like, so, you know, if we don't begin to take our lives into our own hands and like, okay, and really try to come up with a vision for yourself and try to, you know, make a real solid plan, you know, but some people, you know, obviously don't have the resources for that. You know, there's Mm -hmm. people in here that are, you know, who are homeless, some people who are mentally ill, you know, they've, uh, in large part, closed mental facilities and began to, you know, criminalize them, you know, because a lot of people don't need to be here because of mental health issues. They need mental health, not prison.
0: Right. Exactly, exactly. Can you tell us more what we could learn if we just would listen to people like yourself? You've, you've been incarcerated. You've seen both sides of it. You see how it's affecting the individuals inside in the community where you're forced to be at. Could you tell us what we could learn if we just would step out of ourselves and listen to you guys?
2: Um, well, you know, I think, you know, because people, you know, obviously don't have this experience, and so... They, you know, when when you're making, um, you know, judgment calls or or you're ruling on issues or making decisions or policy, you know, you need to have real access to real information. You know, how can you formulate a policy or an agenda based upon um, some statistic? You know, when the statistic isn't revealing of the real nature of the problem. It just, you know, it's just a number. Like, okay, we have. 10 people here and four people here, you know, and it's not really revelatory of the 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 heart of the issue, you know, and mm-hmm. so, you know, they need to be open to bringing, you know, real people in to provide, you know, real information and real insight to, you know, the policy makers and decision makers and, you know, because people don't, you know not that people want to be here but they don't want to be here not just because it's confinement but they don't want this for their lives you know people I think inherently believe that they have something you know special in them and that that they're made for something special and they have a purpose in their life and you know they want to manifest that you know I believe that people want to live the best lives that they can and you know it is not here in prison
0: (laughs) right right definitely not
2: (laughs) yeah like I don't know anyone who, you know, truly wants this for their life, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. No one wants to
2: be here, but, you know, not just because they can't leave, but no one wants to be in this place in their life.
0: Right. Right, right. Right. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today, Trevor, for your insight, for your dedication to making a positive impact. I want to applaud your efforts, and we wish you well in 2025 hopefully things go smoothly and and you get the second chance that's deserved yeah thank
2: you we want to thank you too you know if you know if it weren't for people like you you know we wouldn't you know be able to make progress and you know people who you know believe in change and you know who are dedicated you know because this is kind of a uh you know, it's a it's a concerted effort here. You know, it takes people in a community and, and people like you, and you know, hopefully, it just continues to you know elevate and you know reach the you know the the policymakers and the people who are in power, and you know, because really that's you know what. A lot of people often forget is that this is you know, here in our country is a representative government. You know, we have people who are supposed to represent us and the people who are representing us do not want to hear our voice. <laughs> you know.
0: Exactly.
2: <laughs> and they need to exactly. hear, you know. And, yeah. Oh uh, Yeah, yeah well, I, I really appreciate, you know, everything that you do and, and, and you know, we appreciate the team that you guys have. Um, you know and that it can continue to grow and expand and you know really you know begin to, to do some you know really powerful things and you know affect change you know right. um, there, there's, there's, a, there's a quote that I, I once read um, it's by an anthropologist um, her, her name is Margaret Margaret Mead um, one of the things she says she says she said never doubt that a small group of committed citizens can't change the world because indeed it is the only thing that ever has
0: and, exactly. you know,
2: I, I, I really believe in that, you know, and I, and I like to spread that message to people, you know, that when people come together and, you know, no matter how small it is, it can just grow into something really powerful, you know, when people work together and, you know, try to figure things out.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Small movements are where it starts. They get bigger and have snowball effects and the ripple effect and boom, changes.
2: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, oh, I- you.
0: Thank you so much, Trevor. I really appreciate your time.
2: Yeah, thank you.
1: Hey, so here I am. I'm back. This is Taylor. And that was a wonderful interview. I hope that you like it and got something out of it. And I really appreciate the people putting it on and putting it together. Because without that, none of this would be possible. So I always like to give my dedication and appreciation to those who help and support. Anybody who's helping and supporting. If you get a hold of us too, and you want to interact, you want to be more of a part of what we're doing. You want to find out, you know, more about it. You got questions, we got answers. So get a hold of us at a life of a lifer. Go to lifeofalifer.com and subscribe. You can also find us on Design Conviction. And at Design Conviction on Instagram, they're uh, available. We got support. You got questions. We got answers, like I said. So, at this, this portion, I'm about to give an answer to a question that somebody hit us up with. Do you think the prison system is actually designed to reform the convicted, or are they destined to continue to go back once they've been? <laughs> wow. So. To answer this question I laugh because It's not funny But to me It's ironic Because You know You check out my song So cold And One of my You know The deepest part To me on there Is the bridge And it says So many faces Come and go People I know They go home And I remain on my own and so they come and go and over the years i've been i've been down incarcerated for for about 14 years now and you see the same faces over and over again and some of the few they get out and stay out but the recidivism rate is so high that you gotta wonder is the system really here to actually have rehabilitation and I would say that the system is not designed for rehabilitation at all and the reason that I say that is because most of the programs that are available it's like a, a self uh, you know you have to go and seek that out to get into it and the whole environment is not conducive to being able to actually rehabilitate because everything is geared towards punishment. So when you're constantly throwing punishment and tension, and not treating people like humans, the food is bad. The, everything everything is a consequence. Everything is a punishment. There's not, like, a lot of incentive to really make changes. There's no rewards for it. And when you have a system that is based on negative reinforcement, there is not really a change that is going to take place because in all psychological studies and in different methods of change and and persuasion in different behavioralist studies, everything says that positive reinforcement is what really enacts changes. And so if, if the system went from one of negative to positively reinforcing, I believe that you would see a drastic change there. You know, it would take time to implement that sort of thing because the culture is all Reinforces itself it reinforces itself from within from all the way from the people to the people who are in charge so to speak and having a system like that makes it to where nothing ever really changes and the people just keep coming back and i believe that the biggest problem too is drugs i mean drugs revolve around just about the majority of crimes drugs revolve around the majority of people's issues because they're not really dealing with the root of the problem of why they're doing the drugs to begin with in the first place. So therefore, it perpetuates the cycle. And another thing about the programming, I and I talked about this last time, somebody asked a question about the programming stuff is, is that, you know, there's not nearly enough of it and it's only available to a select few. And so, therefore, people could go 20 years and never receive much, much rehabilitation or much programming, and then maybe in the last year or two, they were able to get into some of these programs because that's you know the limited space availability is for like people with a year or less or a couple years or less they're able to get into these programs so by that time they're already so ingrained with all this negative stuff and they get into that and the only reason that they do it is because for one they have to do it in order to get out so they never really wanted to do it to begin with and so nothing really actually takes place as far as a change happening and for two can't just expect somebody to take one class or one program and that changes their whole life because that's not how it works. It's like a continuous thing. So you have to continuously provide forms of rehabilitation in an environment that supports that rehabilitation. And then you may actually see some some real reform going on, some real changes taking place. But, you know, I'm I'm just a guy that's serving life in prison. What do I know? anyways i really do appreciate all the listeners out there i want to say thank you and i hope that you will participate more and get involved with what we're doing and follow us online check us out engage uh and make sure that you cop that album free taylor project when it comes out because not only is it great music but it supports a great cause and imagine all the things that i could do if i ever got out of here so if you support that support me and we support you and if maybe you got something that you want to do and maybe we can support that too all right well you have a great day and thank you very much for joining us Keep on